0: Today on Abounding Grace. Can I just say right away, just straight up, you are in the full-time ministry. It's not dependent upon who signs your check or whether Calvary Chapel's up at the top of your check or First Baptist Church. Life is ministry. And you're already in the full-time ministry in a unique place that God has placed you, not only that he might use you there, but also that he might use the circumstances to grow you there. This is a
1: mess grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid We're talking about a good and generous giver today on Abounding Grace. Before you touch that dial, because you're starting to think, oh, here we go again, another church talking about money. You'll want to listen to what God has to say. God actually talks quite a bit about how we handle our finances and it says a great deal about our relationship with him. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor resumes his series in 1 Corinthians as we begin to look at the final chapter Apparently, the craziness going on at the church in Corinth had affected their giving.
0: One of the first things that begins to suffer in your life when things are crazy and chaotic is your giving heart. That's what's happening in the church in Corinth. Craziness and chaos has affected the church in their giving. The mark of every true believer will be love, our love of God and our love for one another. The love of God is not a taking love, it's a giving love. You can look at your own life, and what you call love, you can put a stamp on it. If it's giving, it's from the Lord. If it's a taking or a selfish type of love, it's really not love at all. And That's what the world promotes, selfishness. But God, he promotes both by word and by deed, a giving love. And it's not just that we would take care of our own needs. That's a given. But be so joyful and so satisfied and so appreciative and, and so convinced of the privilege that we have of being believers that we want then not only to take care of our own needs, but we're also looking for, to take care of other needs. We're looking for needs in other people's lives. As a believer now in Jesus Christ, others' needs move you. Some of you can see a stark difference between when you were unsaved and you're saved. When you weren't saved, you didn't care all that much about other people's needs. You care now. When you weren't saved, you weren't so interested in helping others. It's not that you were completely cold-hearted, but after all, you have your needs. And need after need would be laid before you, and there would be a way you could easily explain it away and just move on with your life. As a believer now, needs move us, and opportunities stir us, And love motivates us. You can jot this down in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Paul told the church, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. That makes sense. Those of you that have a background in stealing, stop stealing, Christian. No more. Little things, big things, anything, Christians don't steal. So stop it. Stop stealing and work with your hands. Work for what is needed. Work so that you can do what is good. And then he adds on. This is so cool because he goes the extra mile. He says, work with your hands what is good that you may have something to give him who has a need. It's a whole different perspective. Those of you that were givers before you got saved, now that you're saved, you're just super abundant in your giving. God has is, is exploded that giving heart, and replaced it with his giving heart. And it's even more than you've ever done. With that in mind, now understand verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning, now Paul's writing to the church, and he says, concerning the collection for the saints, as I had given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. And when I come, verse 3, whomever you approve by your letters, I'll send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. One of the most important things that Paul, this traveling apostle, this church planner did on his third missionary journey was take up a collection for the poor in Jerusalem. Specifically, the poor in the church in Jerusalem. They were really suffering. While Paul's heart was to minister to the whole church, his desire was also to touch those that were really struggling and suffering. And this has been a pattern throughout the life of the church where believers help believers. Believers take care of one another. It's a beautiful lesson that was picked up. Again, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, you can jot it down. And Paul says, I have shown you, he's talking to the leadership, he says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. Because you know what Paul did? As Paul was out, he didn't just take the money from the church and, and just kind of sit around all day and teach at night. Because the teaching predominantly was at night because it was so hot during the day. And he just didn't sit around and do nothing during the day. Instead of taking that, that collection from the churches for himself, Paul was a tent maker. And so he made tents by day and he taught by night. Not that he couldn't take it, but he wasn't going to stick around very long in one particular congregation. So as a missionary, just like our missionaries, Paul, he would raise his own support, but he was also work during the day. And that's the pattern of church planting That we have adopted biblically, the biblical model of church planting is to work so that the pastor will not be a burden to the church that's growing. And then when the church becomes a size that can take care of the pastor and his family, then the pastor can then devote his life full time to the ministering of that flock. And then he can leave that job so that he can devote all of his time to the things of the Lord. Paul was a tent Maker, you'll, use, you'll hear that phrase, a tent maker. That, what, he, what we're referring to is while he was doing the work of the ministry full time, he was also working and laboring with his hands. And it was intense labor indeed. He labored with his hands, he says in Acts chapter 20, that you could support the weak. A lot of our missionaries are working as well, not just off of full time support. Because what they'll do is they'll they'll lay out the needs, but then when the needs aren't met, instead of just throwing in the towel and coming home, they find other areas to develop a place where they can work and provide for the needs of their mission. It's a beautiful thing to be able to work with your hands. It's the exact opposite. Don't look at ministry, please, church. Don't look at ministry as some cush job where you can do nothing all week and get paid. That's not the ministry. That's not church planning and that's not the life of the missionary. Whatever you might be thinking. In the difficulties that you face in the world, those that serve full-time in the ministry face similar difficulties and different ones as well. And so there is that need for us to be able to support those in the ministry. But there's also that need for us to work full-time. And I worked as a pastor full-time in a very demanding job, 24 hours a day, seven days a week was the demands of my job, while the Lord also gave me the privilege of planting the church and being a part of the church plan, And it really does help to develop in the pastor's heart a servant's heart. And some people, I, I know when I moved here, I was given counsel at least three years to just expect to work three years before the church becomes a size where it can support you and your family. And, and I came out, of course, you know, not three years. I'll, I'm willing to go seven years for you, Lord. I'll work seven years, and we'll set something aside, and, and we'll put a little money in retirement, put a little money in savings, because I know that the, the life of the ministry wouldn't compare to what I was making in the world and all that. I was fully convinced, and seven years, I was ready, for, I was ready to go for it for seven years, and, and it was more like seven to eight, nine months uh, before the God just poured out his spirit on the church here and the needs to go full time in the ministry uh, presented itself. And even then, I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. It's a little early, nine months. It's a, that's really early. And, and after all, you know, what I was making in the world was way out there, man. And I'm like, we could put a little away and plan a little bit. I'm one of those planners. And the Lord said, no, no, it's important for you to step away from what you're doing to give yourself wholeheartedly to the ministry. And, and that's the work of the Lord, to be faithful to be faithful where you're at. And so many of you have that pattern, even serving in this church or those listening in on the radio, serving in your church where you work full time and you work very hard and you labor with your hands, but you also serve the Lord. You give of yourself and of your time and your treasures and your talents. The work in the world is to provide for the needs of your family and to provide an avenue so you can really do what you want to do and that's serving the ministry. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, most of the people serving in the ministry work full time and also serve in a high capacity. And that is normal. Because God doesn't want all the Christians to be pulled out of the world. There is a wrestling, especially those of you that might have a sense of calling in your life. You go, well, you know what? I really believe that God may use me one day to be a pastor. God may use me one day to be a missionary. And, and then when the tough times come at work, now you're in a battle. Because, well, you know, if I just quit my job and went on the mission field, it would get better. No, it wouldn't if it wasn't from the Lord. Things aren't going to get easier. I like, quit my job. Okay, so how are you going to eat? Oh, uh, you know, God will provide. Really? God provides you just quit and just wait for food to have come down from heaven. He's going to For you, he's going to send manna all over again. Probably not. Well, how are you going to pay your rent? Well, you know, God will provide. Yes, you know how God provides? By going to work. By the Lord giving you a place of employment. And it's not just, well, I'm going to fulfill my calling. And I, that my calling is to go full time in the ministry. Can I just say right away, just straight up, you are in the full time ministry. It's not dependent upon who signs your check or whether Calvary Chapel's up at the top of your check or First Baptist Church or. Free Methodist Church, whatever. That's not ministry. Life is ministry. And you're already in the full-time ministry in a unique place that God has placed you. Not only that he might use you there, but also that he might use the circumstances to grow you there. It's often in those difficult times where we're just kind of rubbing up against the will of God, where he uses those tough situations like sandpaper to sandpaper our ego. And our pride that we might be humble before him. Paul labored with his hands so that he might support the weak. That's what he's doing here. He's taking a collection because tough times had hit the church in Jerusalem. The saints were facing incredible persecution. Nobody would hire them. Nobody would buy from them. They had literally given up everything for Jesus. We often talk about giving up everything for Jesus. The church in Jerusalem gave up everything. They gave up their identity. They gave up their possessions. Many of them gave up their families. Their families disowned them for following after Messiah. They gave up everything, and they had nothing. And then there was that little thing that the early church tried to do, which God never led them to do. And they had that communal living. They would bring all their goods to the apostles, and they would all distribute. It didn't work. That didn't work at all. When they tried to come together, well, we'll just bring everything that we have and we'll all kind of share. Well, the sharing ended up ending. They had nothing left. And tough times had come. And the help wasn't just for the widows and orphans, although they hurt the most. This help would come to help moms and dads to help single moms and single dads. And Paul is taking up a collection from the Gentile churches that now they could go back. See, Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem blessed the Gentiles. The gospel just exploded there and they sent out missionaries. Even though tribulation kind of moved people on, they they went through some trials and they took off, but it was right there in Jerusalem that the church was born and then they went out and spread it, the love of Jesus to the Gentiles. Now it's the Gentiles' turn and they get to turn around and bless the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I wonder if there's anyone in your life that you just really want to bless because they blessed you so much. I'm sure there is. Just people that poured their love on you in a tough time. Somebody invited you to church and they're the ones that God used to lead you. Somebody was there when you were sick and, and, and forever you're grateful. That's the heart that the Gentiles have. You're just grateful. You look at this, there's nothing you could do to repay. And it's not like you really want to repay. It's not like you, well, I'm going to do one more than, no, your heart is just, you just appreciate them. You appreciate what they've done in your life. And now you want to turn around and give back. That's what Paul is speaking of here. It's time to give back. It's time to loosen up and give back. And notice it was on the, in verse two, the first day of the week. A special time. The first day of the week was the day where the church gathered for worship. It represented the, the new life of Jesus. He rose again on the first day of the week. The churches are gathering together. Be, be very, very careful. We've looked at this in, in other studies in depth. But it's important to see that the church predominantly gathered together on what we would call Sunday morning, they no longer observed the Sabbath. The Sabbath was an observance of the Old Covenant. They were following the pattern of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want, I want you to know that it's okay to worship Jesus on any day of the week. Regardless of what some of our friends that are Seventh-day Adventists might say. So, oh, I can't believe you're not worshiping on Saturday. Well, at Calvary Chapel, there are a lot of people that worship on Saturday. We have a Saturday night service. You can come Saturday night if you like. You can also come Sunday morning. You can also come Wednesday. You can also come Monday. There's something going on on Tuesday. You can worship any day of the week. I mean, some will go even so far to say, well, if you worship on Sunday, you're taking the mark of the beast. You need to read the Bible. Mark of the beast is not the day on which you worship. God's desiring us not to worship on Saturday, just give up the rest of the week. If you want to worship on Saturday, I say go for it. I mean, really, when you wake up in the morning, that's where worship begins. You're not even gathered in some church building, are you? It's just your heart tuned into the Lord. You just say, what do you have for me today, God? Worship right there. When you're waking up in the morning, when you're on vacation or ever, this heart of giving, it was to be collected on the first day of the week, this extra over and above their regular giving. This heart of giving is one that never left Paul. He never lost it. This heart of giving impacted Paul's life to give beyond, above and beyond what was required, not the bare minimum. When we look at giving in our own hearts, we have to ask ourselves, are we giving the bare minimum? Are we going above and beyond, being led by the Spirit, giving? We don't talk much about giving here like we're we're letting, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us on giving as we go through the scriptures. But tonight is one of those nights as you begin to examine your heart on the area of giving. Because when tough times come, like when the economy goes down, when the economy starts to tank, giving goes down with it. Not just because people aren't working anymore, but because people aren't giving anymore of their increase. Folks decide that, you know, we don't have anything. You know, we, I was making this, but now I'm taking in this from unemployment and I don't have to give anymore because we can barely make it. Can I just say, even though you might be barely making it financially, you're not really making it at all. You're not honoring God with the first fruits. You're not honoring God with... See, you and I came into this world, you know, with what? What would you come into this world with? Nothing. You were naked and crying, man. You had nothing. That's how you began. Absolutely nothing. Completely dependent upon those that were around you. You know what that tells me? Everything in life is from the Lord. Life inclusive. But every possession, everything is from him. Paul, he gives us the model, not just to do the bare minimum. Would you turn over? We haven't turned yet. Turn over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. I really don't understand why the church, the believers, don't why we don't take this to heart more often. This instruction from Jesus. Why we don't test Jesus on this verse. Why we're so afraid. Why we hold on to things. Why needs don't move us anymore. Why calls for giving don't touch our hearts anymore. We, why don't we take this to heart? Jesus says, Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. One of the patterns that you notice in church life, by the way, giving has always been a part of church life. It is not a modern, western, United States of America thought. Giving has always been in the life of believers in God. Old covenant giving, new covenant giving, period. Because of so much that God has done for us, our natural response is to give. a work of his spirit. One of the things to notice, and you could probably see it in your own life. When you don't give, your life is not right. I realize right now, for those that are here, some of you are very generous givers and some of you haven't given at all. And so the message is going to go forth in one of, one of many different directions depending on where your heart is, how the Holy Spirit uses it. I'm only responsible for my giving between me and the Lord, just like you're responsible for yours. So those of you that have been generous and giving, you're like, amen, I'm, I'm there, I'm with you, man, I know. I've been there when I haven't. And those of you that haven't given, you just don't get it. Like money's you, I know as a new believer when giving started coming up in church, I just I didn't get it, and no, I didn't want to get it. You know, Marie and I were barely making it to begin with, and now the church. I used to think the church is asking, and and I didn't understand. It took a while to understand that everything I had belonged to the Lord. It didn't matter if we were struggling or not. The reality is, you you could have abundance of money and still struggle because you haven't learned the gift the caris, the love of giving.
1: We're learning how to be a good and generous giver today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Well, Pastor Ed, there are quite a few questions I can throw your way on the subject of giving, but perhaps one of the biggest that Christians have is
0: how much should they be giving? Would you address that briefly? Yeah, Larry, I think that giving is a big, important part of the Christian's life, the idea of recognizing each and every time we give of our tithe and offering to God, that He owns it all, and that we are giving in response to God's faithfulness in our lives. Now, the Old Testament standard was something known as the tithe, the Old Covenant, the tithe, which is just a reference to 10%. Now, the average Hebrew believer actually gave much more than 10% because they gave for different reasons uh, into the uh, religious-spiritual leadership of the day so that they would be found uh, faithful in their giving. Now, the New Testament doesn't place the 10th or the tithe as a mandate, uh, which some have interpreted where I don't have to give anymore, I don't have to give 10%, but that would be a misunderstanding of the heart of God. And, And the heart of God in the New Covenant is that, according to 2 Corinthians, we would give as as we purpose in our hearts, that in our abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, that we give. And so what I tell the church is that 10% is the beginning. It is the very beginning. That's where you start at the Old Covenant. That's the very beginning of our giving. And of course, there's always that question. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's comical, but there's always that question, Hey, Pastor Ed, should I give off of the gross amount of my paycheck, or should I give off the net amount of my paycheck after taxes? And, and of course, the answer is, without being comical, you give off the gross, you give off of your increase. Even the government understands that they take their money right off the top, but God is greater than the government, and our tithes are to be brought in to support the work of the local church. And then when you decide to give to other causes, other ministries, other causes, that's known as an offering. And so the tie, the, the basic giving to support the, the, your local church, to support the ministry outreach of the local church, to support everything about your local church, then you give your offering, like you could support Grace FM. But that would not be—Grace uh, FM is our radio station, and then Abounding Grace is our radio broadcast. So you, you support Abounding Grace, you support Grace FM or your local Christian radio. Uh, that does not take away from the ties of your local church. It's over and above. So after you give to the church, then you begin to other ministries. And I'm telling you, like Pastor Chuck Smith, he made a point in his life. Uh, you know because there's that phrase, Larry, uh, you can never outgive God. Well, Pastor Chuck Smith made a point in his life to, to try. And of course he didn't succeed, but he was a generous giving man and he handed down that example, both biblical in teaching and practical in, in spiritual, in his practice that we would be known as givers, and I believe personally that Christians, after all that we've received from Jesus Christ, would be the most generous people on the planet Earth. So go for it. Step out in faith, and begin to give faithfully to your local church, and begin to pray about other parachurch ministries that you can support, um, homeless shelters, and pregnancy centers, and so much that the Lord could use us in these last days. We all have questions
1: similar to the one Pastor Ed just answered, and today we'd like to suggest a resource that can help you find the answers you're looking for. It's the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling. Whether you or a friend of yours is wrestling with an issue or have a question, this guide will help lead you to what the Bible has to say about it. It's arranged topically, so it's easy to find the answers you're searching for. And we'll send you a copy for a gift of $25 or more. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE. Or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Put a bookmark where we left off in 1 Corinthians and come back next time when we'll continue the study with Pastor Ed Tanner. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Bountiful Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.